We're coming to the Word of God. You can turn to Isaiah chapter 9. It's one of the prophecies of Isaiah that spoke of Jesus, and it's one of my favorites. We've been here before. You know, after you've been preaching for 70 years, it's hard to find a text you haven't touched on. And so I keep saying we've been here before. Okay, it's in chapter 9 and verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it, uphold it, with justice and righteousness, and then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It's one of the most amazing prophecies concerning Jesus that was written about 750 years before his birth, and it begins with the incarnation. It says a child is born, well, that was his humanity. He took our humanity and he was birthed, even as you and I are birthed. But at the same self-same moment, the child born was the son who was given. God, the son of God, unbegun, could not be born, but he was given. And so Jesus is the combination. He's genuinely born while at the same time he is genuinely the Son of God given. And that, that's an amazing statement written 750 years before. But then he goes on and says his name will be called Wonderful. The, the fascinating thing about um, Hebrew names, they spoke to who the person really is. It's the essence of the person that is spoken of. Uh, with us, a name is something you call someone. And our parents, generally speaking, had no idea what the name meant. It just sounded good. With a name like Smith, my parents thought Malcolm was a jolly good idea. Um, but when we come to the scripture, there was much prayer and much um expectancy of God to give them the name of the child and those Hebrew names are really little sentences that have not been translated and so it sounds just like a sound to us but really it was a sentence that described the very essence the very being of this child it was a prophecy over them that would open this is who the kid is and it, it's uh, oftentimes in scripture you see how God changed a name. It was Abraham, he changed it to Abraham, Sarai, Sarah. And um, you could go on, there were more than once. Jacob was changed to Israel. And because he says the essence of the person is changed, therefore the name goes with it. It now describes another person. And so person it's it's I am, it's my amness, that's my name in the scripture, my isness, who I truly am, that that's it. And so in this case, it says his name 
Well, when it says that, you've got to hold in mind what I've just said, because no one went around calling Jesus wonderful. His name was Jesus. But in the Hebrew sense, this, this is the doorway into his very being. This is who he is. And so it's not so much a name that you call, it's an opening to say this is his amnes, this is his isness, this is his essence. His name is wonderful. And so kind of feel it. The very essence of who Jesus is, is the wonderful one. And, and be careful even there. That doesn't mean that he does wonderful things. That would be easy for people to get. It's not saying that. It's saying he is in his own person the wonderful one. And the wonderful things he did are but the outer bands of who he is. You might say the outer bands of the hurricane. Um, well, when it says his name is the wonderful one, it's not speaking about what he does. That just arises from that. This is who he is. And that's, that's what I want to emphasize. Because right here, that simple sentence that I've just said is the really divide between the gospel and religion. Because in religion, you will never find wonder. There is no wonder in religion. In fact, religion, wherever you find it, is terrified. And I mean terrified by wonder. Their Jesus is like a dead butterfly stuck on a corkboard for study. Um, no one expects the butterfly to get off the corkboard and fly. Um, it's no place for even the wonder of a creature flying. That's just not in religion's agenda. It's always a dead thing that's in the past and you study it as a dead thing. But it says he is, his very name, his very essence is the wonderful one. And, and it's not only religion. Uh, how can I put this? We live in a strange time. If you go back through the uh, generations of humankind, there was always time and place for wonder. The, you go back to the um, 1700s in Europe, and, and they were living on the edge of wonder. There was so much happening. There was so much, and it was a wonder to behold. This 21st century, I really haven't got my handle on it because there's no place for wonder in if ever there was a century that is bored to tears with itself it's the 21st century there's no excitement there's no wonder there's no wow so you now can buy something that i can talk into that little thing on the wall and all these people can instantaneously faster than the speed of light hear me uh-huh, yeah, they call it Zoom, yeah, what's next? Uh, what? You know, do you understand what I mean? Um, we, we, we wear watches that talk to us now. Um, yeah, but there's no wonder, there's no wonder. People says, yeah, yeah, you know. And, and um, they believe in the power of the human mind to the point where, well, that's what minds can do. 
And then you've got um, another issue that I don't know if you've come across it in your listening or reading, but the quantum science, uh, the quantum um, has just, that's about the only thing people have been wowed about. Uh, but to the point where they think, well, that's it. We, we finally arrived at the end of wow. This is, this is final. And, and many people are even saying that Jesus is the quantum and I don't know what else. Uh, and what I'm trying to say here is, is that Jesus invented the quantum. He's the creator of the quantum, for goodness sake, and we've only got a little toe in it. And, and he's dancing on the quantum. He's infinitely bigger than the quantum. He's infinitely bigger than Apple Watches. He, he's, you know, do you see what I'm saying? That, that we, we, we've lost the wow of Jesus. He's sort of an antique. He's something that came in with grandma's possessions, you know, and we, we've lost the wonder of this. Jesus is the source of all mankind's discoveries. Ever thought about that? Who put the idea of an Apple Watch in Steve Jobs' head? Uh-huh, okay, well, I, I've got to get away from that. But you, the, the good news that we call the gospel and Jesus, who is at the center of it, is the finale of wonderful. And everything else falls away into mere shadows and outer bands. Um, and and I, I mean, even the raising of the dead, even walking on the water. Well, that's very, very good. It's, out, it's back there. It's nothing compared with what I'm trying to say, that Jesus himself is the essence of wonderful, and he is the source of all wonders, whether they be gospel wonders or even wonders of human discovery. He stands infinitely above and beyond it all. And so his own self-revelation, he's telling us here who he is, and he's saying his name is the Wonderful One, which means then if we are in him, and if we are the people who are joined with him, uh, we are wonderful. Uh, and, and all of these things, I don't know if you're tracking with me, but uh, I, I, I see a church today, if I use the wide swath of the brush when I say church, but a church today that is in no way tapped into wonder at all. And certainly to say that we who are in Christ are part of the wonderful, that too would leave most people quite speechless. But that is what is happening today. I don't really speak in these terms. But today, and I mean right here in the 21st century, there is happening, and we're right in the middle of it. It's a grassroots. There are thousands upon thousands leaving the organized church because they have recognized its utter deadness and they are seeking wonder. And I think most of you out there are somewhat aware of that. You're part of it. And seeking wonder, we have found wonder or we're in the process of seeing wonder. We're in the middle of this and I want to throw light on it. What is wonder? Because if wonderful is the definition of who Jesus is, then I need to know what is wonder. 
it would take quite a bit to talk about it. Um, just a, as a, an opener, a wonderful or wonder is the ultimate surprise. It means I have come upon that which I ha- I didn't know it existed. I, I am surprised. And it's more than a Christmas gift surprise. This, this takes your breath away. This, this makes you look an idiot with your mouth open, eyes bugging out. A surprise that I, I have no place in my mind to put this. I hadn't planned this even. It wasn't at the end of a series of logical moves that this happened. And I could say, well, if I just did this again, I'd arrive here. Uh, this came um, out of the blue, literally. It, it came, uh, I don't know where. I, I just, I, I woke up and th- this was happening to me. I woke up in process. And I realized I've only woken up now, but it's been going on for quite a while. That's part of one. It's the unexpected. You you expected many things, but this you did not expect. Even your prayers have been left behind because he has done exceeding abundantly beyond all that you ask. This is unexpected. That That's just an opener for the word wonderful. It, it's a word which means I've got no file for this. You know, um, it's happened. I don't know where to put it. Uh, it, it has with it a a blessed and yet a kind of fearful uh, confusion. I I don't know what to do. I don't have a category for this. I've never been here before, and I don't know anybody that's been here before. This this you know, I thought I'd seen everything until this. And now I'm I'm at sea. I I thought I had everything in place. I thought all my filing system was correct and God was neatly filed under G. But it isn't so. Uh, and he he he's walking through my whole file system and he he whispers in my ear, "My name is Wonderful." So we're confronted with that which is beyond all formulas that this doesn't fit a formula it's not if you do this and do this you get that that didn't enter into it all my thoughts are possible have been threatened and i've gone beyond my my definition of possible has been pushed way out my world was so neatly boxed like a birthday gift and now the paper's all over the place and the cardboard has been ripped away and my box has been blessedly destroyed Um, another way this is translated because it's a word that occurs all through the new old testament and sometimes it's translated by the word marvelous you might the what people most know of them this is the lord's doing it's marvelous in our eyes well that is also the same word in the Hebrew as what we're talking about here. And what it means in the Hebrew language is something that is too difficult for a human to even imagine, let alone do. Therefore, this is something that is beyond not only human doing, but it's beyond human control. I I can't control this. And therefore, I stand back with all that I've just said. You're 
takes your breath away. What? What is this? Never seen this. Couldn't imagine this. It's been nowhere on my agenda. And the word there in the Hebrew, we translated wonderful or marvelous. Um, it brings us in the New Testament, which is a quotation from the Old Testament, that eye has not seen, ear has not heard. You know me, I've quoted that a thousand times. But just think about it. I has not seen. So then it is not within my sense of sight up to this point. Uh, ears have not heard. That in my sense of hearing has never been here before. And it's never entered into the heart or the deepest core imagination. I've never dreamt that that's what even could be. That's what Isaiah said, and it's quoted in the New Testament as well. It's fulfilled in Jesus, and and that's what we're saying. It's it's marvelous. It's beyond our senses. I I've never been here before with any one of my five senses. I've never touched this before, and I've never even imagined it could be before. Another word you'll find. Uh, though it's not always translated as such. Many times in the Old Testament, it's translated as the fear of the Lord. That doesn't mean that you're afraid of God. It's a very unfortunate translation in today's world. It, it has more the meaning of awe. And unfortunately, that word has been stolen, <laughs> what, California, <laughs> blondies uh, you know you 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 order a steak in a restaurant and what do they say awesome yeah that's the most ridiculous thing ever dropped into the english language um or is in the world that we're talking about right now the word or at least in scripture used to be in english means i'm somewhat bewildered uh, i i'm looking a little bit foolish uh, because i am somewhat confused you know, I've not been here before. What? What is this? I'm, another word would be undumbfounded. What, what's happening to me? And so it is a little fear because we're always a little afraid when something's happening that we don't know and have no place to put it. But it's a fearful joy. What? Whatever it is, I like it. I don't know what it is where it came from or where it's going and i don't have control but there's a delight rising within me there's an admiration and even the word worship which me is the meaning of fear of the lord uh, fear of the lord is to walk in a lifestyle of worship that's the meaning of that uh, and that's this and so another in the new testament they pick up with two other words amazement and astonish do you remember that when jesus said things they were amazed at what he said and when he did miracles they were amazed they were astonished and they are big words in, in the greek language actually they were used to describe the look on someone's face immediately after an earthquake uh, they used those words because um, that would be a negative but the word means to be thrown outside of one's mind, which sort of is the Greek way of saying what I've just been saying. Um, I think we would even say it, um, I was beside myself. 
you know, I was standing beside myself. That is, I've lost contact with my mind. And I, 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 I can't think this through. I've lost contact with my senses. I'm amazed. Um, it means to throw off balance and therefore to momentarily lose control. It, it, it's when our ordered, our predictable world, that world we just know what's going to happen, um, someone has said that, that life is what happened while you were planning something else. And, and that's this. The, something, something is outside of my predictable word. I, I have been thrown into a form of chaos. It's, it set me at a loss for ordered thought. I can't, I can't even put words to it. This, as I said a moment ago, dumbfounded. It's, I know I'm momentarily paralyzed, so I don't know what to do. And I say it's not negative. It's it's almost surprised by joy. Joy snuck up on me, and joy mugged me, and it was delightful. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm losing words here. It's what is meant um, in the scripture when it says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." Uh, it's hard to actually translate that into English. Blessed there. Because you're you're making an acclamation of God, blessed be. Uh, one translated it, hurrah for God, uh, which is okay, but it, it's at least taken us out of the religious word there. Um, but it means I, I've met with a God that's beyond my wildest imaginations, that's gone beyond anything I ever thought God was. Oh, blessed be God! It, it's it's the application of this idea. Peter says in his first epistle um, that we have this um, relationship to Jesus that leaves us with joy unspeakable. Do you remember that? So I, I'm full of joy, but I can't talk about it. It's beyond words. Not that it's a secret. I just haven't found yet what to say. Um, you, you catch it like at the burning bush. We've heard about that far too many times. You can't imagine anymore because it's ho-hum. Moses stood at a burning bush. Well, you try it. Um, try and find a bush that's burning and blazing, but the leaves are still green and nothing's happening to the wood. A and um, I think you just might forget about your sheep and you just might go and stand in front of the bush and say what on earth is going on. That's a wonderful. That is a wonderful. It's a marvelous. I've got everything I know about fire is that it consumes bushes. And there's nothing left except ashes. But this one has been burning for a long time while I've been over there wondering what's going on. And it's as green, it's as pristine as when the fire started. It's what you find in Scripture that the reaction of people to Jesus was so many times physical. So Peter, when he realizes something of who Jesus is, it says he just fell to the ground. And, and Saul of Tarsus, of course, on the road to Damascus, it was a physical reaction. I've, I've lost all connection with time and space and words, and I just fall over. Uh, Thomas, 
when he realized Jesus was alive from the dead, that he has that he shouts out, "My Lord and my God," and, and is down there. It's wonder, amazement. Where do I go from here? I'm standing before a love that I cannot define. It's as if I've just discovered there is such a word in human vocabulary. I've never seen this before. And the God I've been taught it doesn't fit any of these parameters. And I don't know what to do. And it's all beyond my control. I can't fit this anywhere. It just is. And it's in my face. And I don't know what to do with it. And the word that comes up in all these definitions is control. The essence of wonder is I'm out of control. I cannot control this. And if you remember the Hebrew definition that this is something only God can do and only God can imagine it, therefore totally outside of man's ability, okay, then it would be totally outside of our control. Now you get, this is it. It's a whole issue of control. That's why my logic is confused because my logic tells me how to control things. I can't control this. And this is where fear comes in even to this. It's, it's not terror fear, but it's that apprehension. I'm used to being in control. I'm used to that. And I'm used to being able to get in control if I'm not presently in control. And when all that's taken away, and I, I don't know how to figure out what is happening or where we are or where we're going, I'm out of control. And that's where religion steps in. That's why you'll never find wonder inside of religion. Because religion's business is to tame God. We want a tame cat, not the lion of the tribe of Judah. Lions, you don't know what they're going to do. But a cat, you can lock in the cupboard. It's, you know, <laughs> that's religion's business. Religion's business is to reduce God to something you can control and have it all over and done in 20 minutes on Sunday morning. Um, the God of religion can be squashed between two pages in the religious hymn book. Uh, and it's, it's you, you know exactly what he does. He's, we've already decided what he's supposed to do. And he, does, he just does not step outside of the boundaries that we have set. Simple as that. We're in control. God has become analyzed now i say again like the butterfly stuck on a cork cord we analyze it we dissect it and we say this is what it is and has no relationship to that glorious creature flying through the forest um, we've made god into a predictable formula and the predictable doesn't amount to much because god has been so tamed he doesn't do anything anyway and so he just is and that's predictable so you see, wonder, and you might all already have picked it up, wonder is not too safe for the flesh. Not too safe at all. Religion, as I say, is terrified of it. So once you get into the world of wonder, don't be surprised if you upset a lot of nice people. 
I, I have to put the question, I put it to myself, I do, really. Um, are you in a state of wonder? Is Jesus the one who really is, the one who leaves you sometimes feeling that I don't know what to do with this? Is he beyond your human logic? Is he beyond your religious parameters? Because if he isn't, then I think we should seriously ask the Holy Spirit to wake us up and to plunge us into wonder because that's what it's all about. He owns his wonder. If I can't control it, who's controlling it? He is. He owns his wonder. And owning his wonder, all we can do is rest into that wonder as he unfolds himself to us. Because wonder brings us to humility, big time. That's the essence of humility. Humility isn't that religious thing of groveling, grubbing on the floor and saying, I'm no good, I'm no good. Humility is realizing I cannot control God and I cannot do what God does. And all I can do is admit I don't know and to do so with perfect rest. It's okay. He's not going to be mad at me when I say I don't know. He's rather going to jump up and down and say, you got it, you got it. You know, Don't know. We haven't been here before. I haven't experienced this before. I don't know how to control it, so here I am. I don't know. Please tell me what's happening. Uh, that's vulnerability to the max. And that's really the beginning of life in Christ. It's the beginning of faith. Um, you could say that wonder brings us to the edge of all thought and all logic and then gently kicks us over the edge and we free fall. And that's when you discover the love of God. Because while you think of the love of God as something we can control, then you don't get it. But love is an abandonment to him and to his love that I can only describe as free fall. And that's when you, you land in the love I can't understand. It's bigger than, bigger than that. Uh, I come into a world of new possibilities, undreamed possibilities. Uh, put it this way, wonder captures your mind so that you forget everything else. You know... Uh, when there is a wonder happening that you've never seen in the natural world, if you can remember those days, um, everything else seems slightly out of focus. You know it's there, but it's, it's off. It's when I think of Moses, his sheep were out of focus. <coughs> he wasn't thinking sheep. He was absorbed. He was drawn into the burning bush. And that, that's what I'm, I'm saying here. That wonder captures your mind so that everything else is slightly off focus. And when you come through this, everything will now be controlled by that wonder. You'll never see anything the same again because you'll see it through that wonder. Um, I, I would say that wonder means that nothing else really matters. What you thought you couldn't live without 
now really doesn't matter too much because this wonder has captured you and it reduces you, let me say it again, to wide-eyed silence. It's a feeling I need bigger eyes to take this in. I can't grasp it. I, I, I need words that aren't in the dictionary to say what I've seen. Or to put it another way, you can't multitask wonder. You can't be doing this, that, and looking at the wonder. It's why, uh, just for information, why we're so insistent that when you do our Bible school on Zoom, you're not at the same time washing the sheets. That's multitasking when we're seeking to reveal the wonder of God. You can't do two things at once. Not with wonder. There's many things you can because they really all don't matter anyway. But with wonder, it takes us. In fact, would you understand me if I said wonder means one moment can feel like a lifetime? You, 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 you've seen something that forever changes your past and your future. It's, it's wonder. And remember, I'm talking about Jesus in all of this. This is who he says, his name, his name, his essence is wonder. And the gospel then is the good news of a great wonder. And that's what places it beyond all the wonders of science and all the wonders of Apple and the quantum. This is the good news. This is the news of wonder that makes all other news of wonder slightly less. It's, yes, the gospel is outside of all thought limitations. See, you, you and I, because of where we stand in history, we were raised with this idea that if you say this prayer after me, you will be born again and you won't go to hell, you'll go to heaven and you're forgiven. Now quickly say it after me because I've got another prospect down the road there. Quickly, quickly, and sign here and now you're in, it's okay. Uh, that was a little bit of a caricature. Not much though. Uh, it's the whole idea that this thing has become a formula. And many times in the prayer you say after the pastor, you don't understand two words of it because it's using theological terms. And they say, do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? And you stand there like an idiot and say, yeah, I, yeah, why not? And uh, do you realize wonder is the entrance into the kingdom of God, not a formula. It's the, the wonder. And sometimes one aspect of it is enough to silence you for a week that the, the gospel, his name is wonderful. He's not the add-on extra. Oh, by the way, Jesus died for you. He is the person who is the ultimate definition of wonder. He is it. And you've got to be very careful with doctrine. I'm a theologian, but you've, I, I cannot study doctrine for, for long before I have to stop and make sure my spirit is caught up to the wonder of what I'm studying, else I would become the scientist with a dead butterfly. It's, no, we, we, we've got to risk. We're not talking doctrine because that can be, it can be, studying that which is dead and which is past. This is right in this room in Bandera, right in your room where you're listening, 
is the presence of Jesus the wonder. And he is what it's all about, the wonder. Um, I, I remember a fellow came to me a long time ago from a certain denomination that shall forever remain anonymous. But he, he had been their top student in their seminary, came out with all his degrees, did everything right, got the plum church of the denomination and was doing everything by the book. And, and it was an evangelical denomination. And he came to see me because this great guy with all his everything uh, had, had just about had a nervous breakdown committed adultery with his secretary and nearly committed suicide and what what was wrong because I've got it all right and he began to rehearse to me everything that religion could ever give someone all the accolades and all the achievements and you've made it you've done it you understand it you've got it and I, religion is so boring and that poor chap he, he was rehearsing it and re and I just put up my hand and stop. I said, I just looked up and said, do you know Jesus? And his face went red and it wasn't because of embarrassment. He was angry. How dare you suggest I don't know Jesus? So I said, he sure didn't sound like it. And he had a, a marvelous turnaround. But in his testimony, he said, I, I went with all my religion and he said, a man who looked like Santa Claus asked me, did I know Jesus? <laughs> but that's, that's the point, you see. So you, you're the leader of the Sunday school. You do this, you do that, you visit here. You, who cares? Do you know Jesus? Boy, I sound like a Baptist evangelist. <laughs> but that's the essence. Jesus is the wonderful. He is the door. He is the way, and this, and and the wonderful that he is is for us. Now, this I want to be very very careful about. It's for us. That is, he doesn't do wonders to impress you. You go to some commentaries on the Gospels. And when Jesus worked his miracles, they say that was to prove he was the Son of God. I heard a fellow that should know better on uh, TV, and he said Jesus healed the blind, but it wasn't because he cared for the blind. It was because he wanted to show the opening of the eye. Come on. Everything Jesus did, it says he was moved with compassion and did it. Not to prove a point. But it goes back into the wilderness temptation when Jesus met with Satan. Have you ever wondered what was going on there? It was this. Satan said, if, if you be the son of God. And the, the suggestion by the word if is, I want some proof here. Show, pr prove to me you're the son of God. And he said, you look haggard and starving, and here are some stones. It would be a jolly good idea if you turn stones into bread. I think it's a marvelous idea. Um, and Jesus refused to do it and said, I only act by every word that comes out of my father's mouth. What do you mean by that? 
And then Satan said, jump off the top of the temple, and as you crash down, angels will come and pick you. Boy, that would be the best advertising gig I know. Um, Jesus said, no. What is going on? Satan says, if you're the son of God, you've got power. That's if you're the son of God, of course, I'm not sure about that. But if you are the son of God, you've got power. So let's have a show. Do, do your son of God tricks. Then people would believe you, wouldn't they? But the way you're going on, standing there, skinny as a rail, haven't eaten for 40 days, need a haircut, and, and, and you say you're the son of God. Prove it, man. Prove it. Do something. Show us a trick. Jump off the temple. And he wouldn't. Because he refused. And in, in those wilderness temptations, forever did it is done. I will not use the powers of God to show off. I will not use the power of God to make myself feel good. I will only use the power of God to bless others because he did, but he didn't even bother with stones. He just took a few pieces of bread and enough to feed a multitude. Um, oh yes, he didn't merely jump up the temple, he rose from the dead, uh, but never for himself. He said he was moved with compassion because the people were hungry and so he gave them and the power of God is not show off. A person who thinks, well, I can prove that I'm a son. If you need to prove you're a son of God, you don't know what you're talking about. Jesus said, I don't have to prove I'm the son of God. I am. I don't have to prove I'm the son of God. But if you want proof, it is that I love others, not myself. And so if you say you're a son of God, it is the evidence is not that you can make fire shoot out of your hand. It is that you love with the love of God. Um, and have you washed the feet of your brothers and sisters lately and become the servant of all? That's what the Son of God did. Wonder? That is part of the wonder. It's not only that his wonder wouldn't do certain things because it was self for self, but the wonder is that God, God washed feet. Okay, you put it in there. That Can, can you can, can take it in? And, of course, washing feet in those days was the work of the lowest servant in the house. Jesus stooped and washed their feet, saying, I am here to serve. God, creator, say, I am here to serve you to the point I'll take the lowest place in the house and wash your feet. Now, there's a wonder, but it tells me the nature of God's love God's love is for you, and religion has a God that says he's for himself. All he wants is for you to grovel at his feet and say he's great, and hopefully he won't damn you in hell. But the real God says, I am for you. And I got taken off myself there, but it's the wonder. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That's that's what, behold, that's another wonder word. It means to stand with bug eyes. Behold, behold, what, what manner of love 
So much so that it's not the same as human love. It takes another word to describe it. It's, it's a love that is totally for others. It, it's a, a love that goes to death in order to the, be the life and the savior of others. It, it, it's love that wills to unite with. As I've said so many times, this love is, is God who refuses to be God without us. He's committed to that. The incarnation, where we started off, that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Have you ever stopped there? Religion doesn't stop there very long. It's too threatening. But you, talk, you want to wonder, leave me speechless, that God became a human being without ever ceasing to be God. And the human being he became was a 101% human. So he's really one of us while really the person of the Trinity. And why, why would he do that? And there's only one reason. You, you are the reason that God became a human. That he might unite with you, one with you, feel with every sadness you've ever felt, every pressure you've ever known. That, that's the incarnation. Ultimately then to become one with our sin and darkness and carry us to death. The, the parables he told, and again we've, we've read them too many times too quickly. Um, the sheep lost shepherd joins it in his lostness the prodigal son the father joins the son in his lostness it's it's who he is god walked the streets of earth god left footprints in the sand jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the father god has made a complete revelation of himself in jesus Wow, <laughs> wonder, don't say it too quickly, that God should assume a human body so he can die, because God cannot die, so he must one with us in order to enter into our experience of death, because we ha he had to die our death. And in the middle of that death resurrection, that's what I say when I hear these fellows saying, just say this prayer after me, Jesus rose again. Um, do, do you realize what resurrection is? We talked about it a few weeks ago. The resurrection is the reversing of death. That, that's the only thing that can conquer death, is that here is a life that not only says no to death, but actually reverses the effects of death. The ascension, that human, he never shocked off human. He rose out of the tomb and there wasn't a body left behind. And the body now is a body of resurrection in which there is no death. And that body stepped into the other half of the universe. And there, a human, a human enters into the Holy Trinity, the Son of God, Son of Man. Wow. 
And all of that to say he wound with us, that where he is, we are also. And so that we would know that he gave the Holy Spirit, who is the finale of what he came to do. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God in us. The Holy Spirit is the revealer in us of Jesus, the revealer of the Father. And that's you, that's me. At every point. And you say, well, if I backslide, yes, he'll backslide with you because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. David said, even in the Old Testament, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. He said, if, if I take wings to get away from here and fly to the uttermost as my little bird wings are landing on a desert island, you're out there to meet me. I can't escape you. Wherever we are, wherever we go. And so our life, our life in Christ is a wonder. Oh, slap your face. Wake up. The wonder. I live. I live. You live. Yet not I. It is Christ who lives in me. Period. That is the final is of our existence. Hmm. He is the vine with the branches. Is so. As he is, so are we in this world. And with all of this, Jesus used the term wonder. But he used it within the context of the New Testament. He, when speaking of this salvation, he says with men or with humans, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Which is the best news you've ever heard that what you are now experiencing, this good news, let's get it settled, it's impossible, which means there's not a little finger that you could ever raise to make it happen. What a relief. It's impossible. I remember when I first saw that, I, I saw it late at night, and I got down in my bed, like I was snuggling into the covers of impossible. I said, it, it's impossible. I can never, ever do anything to make this happen. That's wonder. And realize Jesus has done it, and he does it. All things are possible. It's the wonder of the Holy Spirit in us, and it's beyond my control. I, ca I, can't, I can't tell you if you do this and this and this, this will happen. No, it's not a formula. I'm telling you, just surrender in all vulnerability and wonderful helplessness into the arms of Jesus, the wonder. That's it. It's the Holy Spirit then that uh, leads us. He, he's the, the, the Holy Spirit, the guide into all truth. He opens our eyes. He opens our ears. And what we've said already you know, eye has not seen. But then that verse does continue in the New Testament to say, but the Holy Spirit has revealed it to us. That is, we've entered into something slightly beyond our senses. And we see what sense can't see. We hear what sense can't hear. And, and it's, it's beyond on the, the whole scale of what a human can hear. 
Well, we've gone a little bit beyond. We, 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 we can see what you can't see. We've gone into the scale of a heavenly dimension, which is wonderful. That, that's, I, I don't know where to put that, but it's there. And, and I've been there. It's beyond our comprehension. And so you could say the revelation of God in Jesus Christ in the Scripture is amazing. It's astonishing. And it is attended by wonderful promises and marvelous words. And it is written by amazed and astonished people. That's the truth. And when we trust in the wonder, we ourselves are wonned with the wonder. And of course, the immediate, I could say all of this, and I can hear, I can hear it on the ether. People are saying, well, what do I do then? <laughs> I know, see, that's it. That's the wonder. Because everything logic is you've got to do something. And I'm faced here with something that, mm-hmm, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Because the wonder is that this entire, which I so lightly trod upon, but the entire thing is the work of God. You couldn't have a thing to do with it. Sorry. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now try to find your place in there, except you were part of the world that he he reconciled. That's it. This is what repentance means. And you know we hate that word, because in English it's a terrible world word of doing penance. But in the original language, the, the, the word it supposed to translate is metanoia, which means a radical exchange of mind well what i've just said is that from a world in which we know you have to do something earn something achieve something i now have this radical change of mind to see and hear as god sees and hears that i i i don't the i must do has become he has done which means i'm only left with one thing and that is trusting who he is trusting the wonder and expecting of him alone and once you've caught that once eyes have been opened to see that you progressively realize yourself to be in this energy field of love or you could say an ocean of love that is boundless because you're not, put it this way, you're not trying to get somewhere. It isn't if I do this, if I do that, I'll get somewhere. If you do this, you will get saved. No, it's the awakening that is attended by that silly smile on your face when you realize I'm there. I'm there because of what he has done, who he is, and that's wonderful. And all I can do is say, ha, I've arrived. I'm there. 
Now my doing is not to get anywhere, but to explore where I am. And if it's an endless energy field of love, I've got an eternity to do it. And of course, in so doing, if you don't do it consciously, you are doing it. You're tearing down the walls of the box that religion has tried to cage you in because it doesn't fit the box. A living God who is active in our lives now does not fit the religious box. And that's when you realize the God that you thought was in your box wasn't God at all. The real God was there, of course, but he overspilled and was all, the box didn't mean a thing. And we were blind to him. And so you get this company. We're a company in this space, which is Holy Spirit space. And the Bible word, and I prefer the Bible word. It's another one like repentance. I prefer the Greek word because we've got so much baggage when we've tried to translate it into English. The Bible word is ecclesia. And let's just leave it at that because it's been translated as church. And as soon as you say church, people think of a denomination and they think of a building, so help me, and they think of um, organized clergy, and if there's clergy, then you guys are down there called laity. And oh, the whole thing gets such a mess. But the word ecclesia means y'all, we are a company of people whose eyes have been opened to see this, and we're living in the wonder which means we are wonders. You've seen the wonder? You're joined to the wonder, which means that we are, this, this group right here, we're outposts of divine wonder. We're an outpost. If anybody walks in to say, what is God like? Take a look around. We're outposts here. This is an embassy of wonder. Mm-hmm. Worship is, is is wonder. I I can hear you. You said that's taking it a bit far. <laughs> no, you've got to wake up to who you is, who you are, not how you think you should be or how no. This is this is the gospel. And if I shock you, well, I don't like that word, it's a negative word. So I've wondered you. I've stunned you. I've amazed you. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) That's who you are. That's the isness of you. And that's why Jesus said, when you get this, when you realize we are united, members one of another, love one another as he has loved us, and when we know that we are one with him and he is one with us, Jesus said the people will come to see Oh, yeah. (laughs) You you don't have to put on a phony evangelical rock concert to get people in. You get a company who love one another in the wonder of God's love, and you'll have the town saying, what the heck is going on? That's, That's the wonder. And silence reigned. Um... We grow in grace. We grow in this wonder. We grow into a love 
that is is now in us, but we grow into understanding it. The peace of God, the peace of God that is in us, passing human understanding. Apart from the Holy Spirit, the wonder of the gospel of Jesus becomes a myth and a legend. Have you noticed that? Many within the boxes of religion will talk about what God used to do, but don't ever dare suggest he'll do it on Sunday morning. Um, no, that belongs to the world of legend. You know, King Arthur and the Round Table. You know, God used to do this. He used to do that. And some ancient gray-haired people say, do you remember when? Legend, myth, doesn't happen today. And some have formalized that. It's in their confession of faith. The Holy Spirit left after John the Apostle died because he was the last apostle. That's the end of that. It's all legend. It all happened back there. It can't happen today. We've decided that. And yet all the time, all of those religious boxes are filled with the glory of God. They're a burning bush and no one notices. Think about that. Remember the wise men came looking for Jesus, the baby? That, that is the most fascinating in a terrible way. They came to Jerusalem. Where else would you go? You'd go to the temple, for goodness sake. We're looking for Messiah. Where else would you go? And Herod, of course, if there's a Messiah, let's kill him as fast as possible. Um, but he doesn't know anything, and so he calls the priests. It's a fascinating story. I, I've, t- I've tried most of my life to get inside the head of those priests. Here come guys who have been traveling for nearly two years across the desert, and, and they're passionate. They say, we know Messiah has been born. And, and so where... Do we find him? And the priest said, oh, we, we know, we know. Uh, and they get out to the, the book of Micah, and they you know, there it is. There it is. So he'd be born in Bethlehem of Judea. So if you've come, that, that's probably where he is. Well, wh- where's that? Oh, it's just down the road, turn right. It's about 30 minutes from here. Uh, are you done? Because we've got coffee break. Um, uh, I, I mean... The idea could not dawn upon those religious priests that actually what they knew so well in Micah was happening down the road 30 minutes away. Couldn't, no, it's beyond it. Let the, the, these are charismatic fanatics. Go on your way. But Do you see what I'm saying? That the Pharisees studied the Scriptures. Jesus applauded them on that, if you could think of it. He says, you study the scriptures. You think that in them you're going to find eternal life. But look at me. You won't come to me. And that's what it's all about. Study the scriptures. Quote it by the page, but miss the point. Don't be angry at the church. Lies were passed on from generation to generation. They didn't know. Because if you are angry with them, that grows into a root of bitterness. 
and then you're trying to cast out Satan by Satan, uh, it doesn't work. Just release them to Jesus. What he's doing with you, he can do with the pastor too. No, just let it be said in your heart of hearts, I want wonder. I want wonder in the face of Jesus. And I intentionally leave all the comfort zone of dead form and predictability and hand yourself over to the Holy Spirit. And you'll be part of what's happening today where the church, the ecclesia, is recapturing the wonder, meeting in homes, many times meeting in churches, but it's, it's, it's happening. I'm not talking about a possibility. I'm talking about right now, we are in the middle of the recapturing of wonder. It's the gift of God. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. He's actively guiding us into all truth. He's actively enlightening our hearts to that which is beyond the realm of normal hearing and normal seeing. And he's not merely telling us about it. He never does that. When he reveals it, you're in it. And he's doing it. He's the one that creates the restlessness. If you're restless... Oh, where to get that from? The Holy Spirit. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. The Holy Spirit remembers to us. You know what I mean by remember? He brings the past into the present. He remembers this glorious God, not as a fact of history, but right into our lives. So what can I say? I, I'm not telling you to get something. I'm saying you're surrounded by something. You're in it already. We need the opening of the eyes, but we can assume the Holy Spirit's doing that or you wouldn't have been here this morning. He doesn't waste words. And, and so step into every day intentionally. Live on purpose. Don't drift into a day. Step into the day in the expectancy that you are going to know him in the small things. Don't look for burning bushes happen in odd places. If, if I had had a burning bush for Moses, I would have probably had the bush in the middle of Egypt to let the Pharaoh know something's happening. Instead, a burning bush. What a waste. A burning bush in the middle of nowhere with a hundred sheep balking at it and, and a, a shepherd who's blind to the things of God and they all stand there, duh, you know, and what a waste of a burning bush. <laughs> Except we're talking about it 5,000 years later. <laughs> yeah. Live life expecting the wonder. And because it is a wonder, I can't tell you what that will look like, can I? Because then it wouldn't be wonder. That's the wonder of it. Now expect the wonder in yourself. You can say words that will change a person's life. Um, amazing. That is amazing. I, I was sitting at dinner last night 
in bricks, if you know Bandera. And um, I was writing notes about this. And so the person waiting on me said, you know, what's the sermon for tomorrow? She knows what I do. And, and um, well, you asked. <laughs> and I realized, as you could see, the Holy Spirit. Um, and now, isn't that unreal, you know? Over a piece of chicken, people's lives can... Because what you're just saying can be a burning bush to them. You you lay your little hand upon someone in the name of Jesus and you don't even have to say it out loud and they can be healed? Isn't that incredible? I mean, expect burning bush. Expect the wonder. Well, that's about it. Land the helicopter <laughs> and go into your world to expect the God whose name is Wonder. Now, the blessing of God who is almighty love, wondering love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of Wonder, open the eyes of our understanding that we shall go through life in the wonder of your world encroaching into ours and transforming ours into yours. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we receive your blessing and declare that is the way it is. Amen.